Three, two, one. And welcome back to the Smurder Fell Filmcast. Today, right, let's... special day, yeah. Special day. What's that? What's that? Oh, what's that challenge you're approaching? Three whole movies. What do we got, Justin? So we got, in order, The Matrix. Sci-fi shit. Yeah, sci-fi movies. <laughs> sci-fi movies of The Matrix, Inception, and Star Wars A New Hope. Yeah, you hear that? We like science, so let's get it started. Let's go off in order. The Matrix, which is a slightly more complicated version of Inception. What do you have to tell us about this movie? So, The Matrix is about a computer hacker, Keanu Reeves, joining forces with rebel warriors Lawrence Fishburne and Carrie Ann Moss to battle a malevolent cyber intelligence uh, force. Now, this cyber intelligence force... Has the world by the balls? They, we had they have us enslaved. They have us exactly what they want. We are playing their game. We are not playing our own individual game. We lost the war. It, we kind of deserve being enslaved for that, but not really. But as soon as that happened, they saw how we were using them for energy. So they said, "Hey, let's be ironic." So they decided to put us in a cybernetic capsule that has code itself meant to keep humans under, and they harvest our bodies and grow us like like plants. They harvest our bodies and resources for energy to power themselves. So, it, it pretty much in splitting split in terms, they put a, in a reverse card on us. The, the, yeah. the directors are the Wachowski sisters. These would be brothers before they changed themselves, yeah. before they became transgender, transgender to female. So, it's Lily Wachowski and Lana Wachowski. But they're now, like... <laughs> But they're like pretty much, yeah, you know, we use the robots for energy. Well, instead, let's use, let's use the humans for energy. And that's... Yeah, that's and that's probably... the, basically the premise. And tell this one man, one man that thinks he's the one, or he might and may not be the one. You feel the one through a lot in this movie. It's that boy, Neo, or I forget his actual other name, but we're just going to call him Neo for the sake of continuity and uh, having a consistent name. This man's in the one world, which is like the fake reality world. That's not the Matrix, or not said to be the Matrix. He, uh, he is, he's a, he's a man. He's just a man in a suit and tie going to a job, and then he switches over to this person that's, like, stealing software and, like, flipping it for money. And then he gets this wake-up call, called the White Rabbit, Neo. And then... So pretty much what happens then is once he gets a phone call, he realizes that everything's kind of wonky. Agent Smith... The kind of the self-implemented program that kind of defends the understand. AI and makes sh- and it's kind of like the enforces of the, the fake world to make sure that nothing mysterious happens. And so <laughs> Neo, you know, office worker in, during the day, but a rogue hacker at night who steals a lot of software, gets a phone call from our friend Morpheus, who claims to be that. Because Nero is the one, the one who's supposed to break the matrix. Yes. But we we know that's not true. So this goes out the uh, the possession of Neo. He gets captured by some agents in the actual quote unquote fake reality. They plan a bug in him, and then he wakes up in the actual the well not the actual he wakes up in the quote unquote matrix, and uh, he is he's trapped. But he has a bug in them, and three ladies. One of the white rabbit tattoo. 
basically hold him at gunpoint. They get, they get, he gets in the car, they hold him at gunpoint, and they put this machine on him and take the bug out. I'm like, okay, so that's standard. That's done now. So they, they take him to Morpheus, and, you know, Neo's like, I, you know, I, I'm with him. He's like, all right, Neo, I got mad drugs on me, homie, but you have to answer me something. Do you want to be dumb and stupid and not know what you're doing, but be oblivious and happy? Or do you want to know something that not the rest of everyone out here knows? It's like, obviously, I want to know something. So he takes it, then. So then what happens is that he wakes up. He, he wakes up in Zion. Zion, which is the last city stronghold. I'm probably getting wrong in his honor. Oh, that's that. He didn't wake up in Zion. He woke up in the quote unquote real world. Right, okay. So where. He woke up in real world. Actually, you continue. I kind of. I'm, you're I'm blanking on this one? I'm right, on so he woke up in the real world and he's like, oh, this is the real world. I've been oblivious this entire time. How many people are in here? They, they show him this awful truth. He's like, dang, that's tough. And he gets, to, he gets affiliated with the crew. Uh, he gets affiliated with, there's not many good characters. Most of them die later. But there's some notable ones. There's Trinity and then there's one guy that I can't remember called Traitor that I'm going to name Traitor because he betrays the group. So all the group, the crew's there. They're all talking, and then uh, Neo decides to get hacked, uh, hooked up with this one dude, and they like put something in his brain. He goes back into like a, a matrix, not a matrix, but like a simulation, and they simulate all this type of fighting styles. And this dude becomes like mad beefy, like he knows a lot. And uh, eventually, they decide, hey, Neo's doing a pretty good job. We're gonna take him to, to see the uh, the Oracle, which is known to be like. Of power, I guess, in this film, but n- they they check her to see her, and eventually they, they, she comes to the same conclusion: he is not the one. But Morpheus' life is soon to be in danger. Um, when they're trying to escape the Matrix, Trader decides to make his move. Then Trader decides to betray the group. Uh, he kills almost everyone, except Morpheus, Trinity, and Neo. And uh, let's just say that's that's not cash money to say the least. Justin. So before I continue, the, the traitor that we're talking about is name is Cipher, who actor plays hmm. is Joe Pantoliano. Joe, Pat- hmm. Joe Pantoliano, aka Cipher, he portrays the whole entire group. He's like, nah, Cypher. screw this, Cipher, boss. Okay, no, boss, get this <laughs> child. Great job, boss. This is why you're the best. This is why you're the best. This is why you're number one. All right, no, okay. <laughs> So while Agent Smith is trying to break into Morpheus's mind, this is when Neo and Trinity go come to stay the thing. They're in the they're in the Matrix. They get they get strapped, man. Like all these yeah, guns. They straight they get straight strapped. They have like four fives, AKs, they have the whole nine yards. They they basically got the deep web surplus. They got every weapon under the sun. And they, then uh they're then they, they rescue more is, uh, than the US defense. defense. Yes, basically the entire U.S. budget for a movie, and then put Michael Bay in there as well somewhere, like just a little bit of Michael Bay explosions as well. It's a beautiful scene, and uh, eventually they save Morph- uh, Morpheus. They get him out, but Neo's still locked in there. The last of the Matrix, he's almost done. Ed- he's almost exited the Matrix, except there is Mister Anderson, Agent Smith, boy, coming with that strat. Trinity's talking to Neo's like I. What's good? I see you're, I see you're witnessing some shit. And he's like, he's going through some stuff, man. And then all of a sudden, Mace with the straps has a 50 AED deagle, puts six shots in his chest. 
or five, I can't remember, puts six shots, six shots, most likely one of them in his vital organ. And then he realizes, huh, he gets kissed by Trinity after he passes out and flatlines like he died, and then gets kissed like, you know what? I think I'm a living through this one. And then he just, he becomes Mr. Hacker Man, and Hacker Man wipes the code of Agent Smith off the face of the, the code. And so pretty much thus saves the day. And, and then the ending name. scene is just him, like, yo, what's good, homie? I, I realize I did this to your mans. That, you know, that man's had to go. I'm just, I guess you can just know that I'm a threat, and then he just hangs on the phone. That's, and, and roll the credits. That's end scene. And so, yeah. I don't know. It was, I'd say this, I enjoyed this movie more than I thought it would. I knew it had some decent memes in there from time to time. I'd give this thing like a, like an eight out of 10. The cinematography was very well done. Like, there's, the shot that, like, that we were talking about earlier, the slow-mo where he just shoots up the place to save that boy Morpheus, like that was a beautiful scene. They had some characters that felt heartfelt, and they also had a good explanation of concepts, like during the fighting scene of Morpheus and Neo training on Pets Jiu-Jitsu and stuff like that. I thought the movie was very well done. Now, Justin, I know you slept through it, but do you have enough information that you can give oh, a yeah. rating? I have enough information. I give this... Well, I give it a 7. Actually, no, 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 actually, no, I will give it an 8. Because another key detail here is all the stunts were done able to, like, Keanu Reeves at the time. Oh, they were, yeah, they like, were done in person. They weren't edited in. They, they were, were real-life stunts from these real actors. Keanu Reeves himself did the whole bend, you know, bending back with the arms moving yeah, and the dodging bullets. That has to hurt. Like, real, real talk, that has to hurt. Like, no, Keanu Reeves but... Like a, and his leg was Go messed on. up because he got surgery recently. Think about that. Oh, yeah. Second. And then you gotta remember, Mr. Nicky said, oh, yeah, Matrix 4 might happen. Exactly. So who knows what's gonna happen? But pretty much... No it, one really. Pretty much the movie ends with this copyright music right here. Cut this part out. Yep. That wasn't loud enough. Yeah, we- yeah, that, that, that was uh, pretty atrocious, but I think I'm going to leave it in there for comedy's sake. Uh, so, <laughs> so let's, let's talk about We're going to do a lot of questions based off the ending scenes today. Actually, no. Did Neo deserve to live after he got, after his body registered that he got six shot six times? So, die <laughs> and come back from it the bed. No sense of how he does it that. It makes no sense, but movie logic is the, actually no. It makes sense. You know, he he finally realized in his heart that he is the one. So yeah, he takes six fifty AE shots to the chest. So, so he takes his own death. He took, I guess. I, I guess yeah, he took his pulse. He took his pulse and said he didn't need a pulse, bro. He basically become an undead zombie boy that's know how to hack things, man. If, if I wasn't being a devil's advocate here, that that's fucking stupid. How the hell are you taking six fifties? You die in the flatline. You see on the machine flatlines, and then you come back from the dead. How do you manage? That makes uh my brain. I we we cannot we cannot begin to begin to realize the inception of this idea. Now speaking of inception, with that terrible pun that had nothing to do with anything. Inception. Yeah. Inception, the movie, the second movie in our sci-fi unit. Now, I didn't... 
put this movie as heavy as I did The Matrix. But I have to say, you know, just what do you have to say about the Inception? Okay, okay so in- Inception director of the director is Chris Nolan, Christopher Nolan, the same person who did the Dark Knight series and several the other series, but he is, is most famously known for the Dark Knight series. So let's talk about some basic concepts of this movie. So, uh, Justin, what is Inception? Inception is pretty much the storyline of a thief, Leonardo DiCaprio, who enters people's dreams and steals his secrets to get a shot at redemption when he is given the dangerous past. That is extraction. Inception is the idea of planting a seed of an idea somewhere deep in the subconscious. When you, your body goes under for sleep, these, these uh, extractors will go into your head, will have to start with a base emotion of an idea, plant that deep into your subconscious, usually being on multiple levels. So let's just say like uh, a day, like an hour that would pass in real life, a day would pass in the Matrix, and if you go down a level, it becomes, like, six weeks, six months, and then, like, 60 years. Like, it, it ramps up pretty quickly the, the deeper you go into the subconscious. And the deeper you go, the more unstable the dreams like to be. And people have naturally trained themselves, because this new type of technology is out, to be against extractors. So because of this, these three thieves, they, they fail the first job, and their first man's, like, he goes to CISO mode, and like, huh, this is not doing well. So... Justin, remind me again, what's the main character's name? The main character, so we got Leonardo DiCaprio playing as Cobb. Is it Randall Cobb? Something no, like that. Um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt as Arthur. Ellen Page as Ad- Ariadne. My favorite man, Tom Hardy playing as James. Ken Watanabe playing as Saito. And Dilip Rayo playing as Yusuf. Those are the main thieves, the All main right. people with it. So, planting the idea of inception. So, Cobb is like, okay, he goes back to this teacher man. He's like, I right, teacher man, my man's died, but I have a way to get back to my children because uh, I'm, I'm on the run because they think I killed my wife. And he's like, okay, Cobb, you do realize that, you know, if you ask for this person, this person's most likely died. I don't care, old man. I need my children. He's like, okay, man, Here, here's an architect. And they send her Ariana, and they're in, or like that's her name. I, I'm just gonna say they send the, the lady. The ladies are like, all right. They they explain the job to her, like, oh, you build stuff in dreams. Where do you think we are right now in your subconscious? And like, she starts to become aware of this, this uh, dream phase. She wakes up and like it flips out, but also goes back in eventually. Eventually, she realizes something about Cobb. Cobb's kind of unstable, not doing too well. He has a problem with his wife that he keeps deep inside him that he just never wants to open up. And she's like, huh, this is wildly unfortunate. And then while all that's happening, Sido's like, hey, yo, Cobb, so uh, we, we have a job for you. And we think that uh, if you inception this one dude that's opposed to my company, we can make mad bank. And Cobb's like, I wouldn't say it was supposed to be a mad bank. But it's just supposed to be the idea to change someone's motives by going to their dreams and planting it, planting this idea. Yeah, Mr. Cobb. To do that, Mr. if he, if Cobb did this, they would wipe his, his stuff clean. Like he would not have any criminal record. Yeah, I mean that makes that, sense. That's that's pretty yeah. impactful. Yeah, that's that has you have that inception. Pretty much the the whole idea of how. Mr. Cobb started this with, with his wife. The reason why people think he, they killed his wife is she technically jumped off the building. 
But how? But why she did this? It's because Randall Cobb inceptionized his wife, telling her in her dream that the her, the world that she's in not real. She took this idea so far and kept thinking of it, and couldn't distinguish between truth, uh, re- re- between reality and alternate reality, or a dream. And pretty much, she thought she was still in a dream. And then she jumps off the building, just killing like herself. Just like that. Flatline, no dream, no waking up. She's now forever and in limbo. And these parts, yeah, I guess in limbo. Wait, not in limbo. She killed herself in her real life. She's mad. Yeah, but, dead. But, but she's stuck in limbo. In, but, in yeah, Cobb's limbo. In, in Cobb's memory, she is still in limbo. But he eventually forgives herself and she eventually goes. But this is that problem goes throughout the entire movie. So we get to the thing. They gather their, their hit squad from all over the world. They got some dudes in Italy, got some dudes in Paris, so they, they got all these people for this. And they finally get on the plane that this man, Saito, decided to flex and buy off the entire airport. And they're like, alright, we have this job in the bag. So they start to go under, right? And you want to explain what sedatives do to the unconscious mind? Sedatives kind of increase, like, they help you sleep longer. You can go, you can go to dreams, they can go to deeper levels of dreams, and it's still being stable. They yes. go through three levels in this 10-hour flight, which, by the way, 10 hours in the normal time was like, I forget how many how, how much time. Like a week it, in first level, like six it, months, it, second. It, it's a week, like, six months, and then like 80 six years. years six, 60, 60. It was six years, but because it's a 10-hour flight, that's 60 years. So pretty much what happens is they go through three different levels of Robert Fisher. First level, they're in the streets. They kidnap Robert Fisher and his um, the uncle, yeah, yeah uncle. something like that. And uh, basically, Mal always starts to mess some things up. They they get the cops on this dude. They get a train that wait, no, was it? this Mal's not here yet. So let me continue well with the story. So what okay. happens is, after they're trying to get into the safe of Robert Fisher's father, who just recently died, and just and trying to find this code. They pretty much kidnap him and pretend to torture the uncle. uncle. Now, see, what happens is, after that, they all get in the van. The, the mind of Robert Fisher has also been trained to deal with extractors such as these fine gentlemen. So they're getting shot, and they die in that dream. Usually, you wake up. But under this sedative, you go to the limbo. Raw, unobstructive, just forever-ending conscious. If and she's in, stuck there until tell either a kick and, or at the end of time, and you you kill yourself and wake up finally, or something similar to that. So you have to be kicked awake afterwards. So after that, they, they do a van escape because you're getting shot at, and they say, okay, we're ready for the second level of dream extraction. So they finally extract him, they put him under, and they go deeper. The second one is uh is the Cobb hotel. and Fisher. The hotel, <laughs> Cobb and Fisher. <laughs> Uh, Cobb and Fisher, Cobb approaches Fisher, he's like, hey, hey, buddy, you see that girl back there? She stole your wallet. Also, you're in a dream right now. Realizes, and then, like, the, the subconscious starts looking at him, and everything starts shaking, like, I've been here, sent here to protect you. And, like, he's spending him the web, right? Like, he, he's getting him, like, sinker. That he's, he's going at it. He's just doing the talking. He's yeah, talking he's got talk. that speech 100. He persuades him in, he's like, I... Follow me. So he gets all this people, right? And eventually he decides he's putting himself under. 
And he's like, okay, this man is trying to break into your mind, so instead we're going to break into his mind, right? So we're going to put that Uno reverse card back to his face. Like, whoa, that's wild. So eventually, he decides, hey, I'm going to go with that. They put him under. But during this, Saito kind of got shot in the first Dream State a lot. Like, he's losing a lot of blood. He'll lose less blood in level two, but he gets shot even more in level two. So eventually, like, he's just losing a lot of blood. He's starting to die. But sedative might help him eventually. So this this cuts to scene three, or the, the third level of Limbo. The third le- level of Limbo is a snowy fortress taken out of literally like Modern Warfare 2. Like a Call of Duty map. And so pretty much they're trying, trying to infiltrate this base. And then this is when things get interesting. As they're infiltrating the base, trying to get um trying to get Robert Fisher inside and find a safe place to actually Inceptionized, where you tell, you know, to try to find a secret location. This is when our lovely lady Mal comes in and shoots Robert Fisher just in the back of the head. Yeah, at, at, dead. After Cobb himself is on snipe duty with his, his lady Ariana at his back, you know, they're doing spotter sniper. Cobb doesn't have the balls to pull the trigger on Mal. So eventually, she ends up killing Fisher. And they get down there like, oh, we're, we're screwed. How do we go on the plane? And then Ariana's like, hey, how about we give him the kick? Or how about we kick him with a defib? And then we'll, we'll send him back to this level. And then after that, we can get him to the to the vault. During this side of... He's like losing it. He's like, oh, I guess it's time to perish, my guy. So eventually, he kind of he kind of dies. And they he can't be- kick him back. He, ble- he bleeds out to point limbo. He bleeds out, and during the, this in level two, back in level two, because they lost two subconsciouses there of two people that he came with, they're uh, they're fighting in zero gravity, and they don't know how to work a kick. So they put everyone to the elevator, and then decide to kill or to push that elevator to the floor for the, a kick to level two, and then level one, the vague going off the the cliff is level one, kicking them all back awake. Now during this, they try to go with. Uh, because the kick doesn't really work in defib, so they have to go under themselves to level to like level four limbo, or at least uh, Ariana and Cobb do. So they go under, they get Robert Fisher back, and Ariana and, and Saito. Yes, eventually, and Cobb, eventually they try to get Saito back, but Ariana can't see that, and they know that Cobb is going to stay there for Saito because he doesn't want to leave him behind. So Maul finally is defeated after a while, and Robert Fisher gets back. They. They do Inception, but during this, Saito and Cobb grow hella old. Like, they get old. old. Like, there's wrinkles on Saito being an old man, and Cobb's old, and they, like, come back to the real world where we can be, like, young men together. And then they wake up. They're like, whoa. You know, this is Inception. Like, Cobb walks out, deadpan to the camera, emotionless. Like, he just walks out of there. Like, nothing happened to him. He walks out there. He gets... He waves at a couple people. Some dude transports him. He goes, welcome back to the U.S., Cobb. And the dude walks there to his children. And the children finally turn around. And, like, he plays with his children. But before that, he spins a top. Now, this this uh, this top is like a mark for every individual extractor that they can see to make sure they aren't in the dream world anymore. But his was a spinning top. And if the top stopped spinning, he was in the real world. But in the in the dream world, it wouldn't. The final scene lands on the top spinning, and we don't get to see if it falters and falls or if it keeps spinning. 
and then because eventually it starts bobbling, and then that's it. But we'll never yeah. know what really happens to our good friend. So, what do you think? Did it did it keep did it keep spinning, or did it end? I think I thought it was just gonna stop spinning. It was getting to the point of being wobbly to the point that, it, it, like, maybe like a few seconds, it'll just fall flat. Hmm. At the same time, like. I can see there were similarities of the Dream World and Cobb's children having like the same shirt, the same position that he saw him in the dreams. The the top looked like after it starts faltering, it started to spin back up. And there's a lot of signs that po- point to both methods that it makes sense. But then the director himself said, "Does it really matter, man? Cobb doesn't care anymore. He got he got what he wants back, and that's that." And because of that, what would you say? What would you rate this movie, Justin? I would rate it. Mm, give me a seven out of ten on the IMDb scale. Because hmm. it was very, it was, it was very good in action. Christopher Nolan did a great job as always, but I feel like it's just a little bit lacking something. It was just, it was very bizarre. It felt half baked in my. I, I I give it the same score, a light seven to a heavy six. It felt half-baked because some of the things felt like they just BS'd it on the spot to make people happy and to like make people be able to keep up with the film. And I can kind of see that a little bit during like the final parts of it. But other than that, the cinematography, everything was well shot. You know, the uh, the problems that Cobb has was dealt with in a semi-decent manner that was makes it in- enjoyable to watch, but not to the point where it's toxic. Everything else ends relatively sane. I'd say it, it was a pretty good movie. Now, speaking of movies, movies are kind of like myths and like legends, you know. Justin, have you ever heard the uh, the tale of Dark Plagueis the Wise? Ah, uh, yeah, Dark Plagueis the, the Wise. The tragedy of Dark Plagueis the Wise. He was a Sith Lord. That's the story that Jedi don't talk about. He was a Sith Lord so powerful that he could influence midichlorians to create more life. But you know, eventually the Jedi caught on like, Nah, fam, you're not having that. So eventually they took his life. That's something the Jedi don't tell you in Jedi school. Hi, this is Star Wars, the third installment of our sci-fi series. Okay. Justin, what do you have to say about this movie? So, Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope, the first ever made Star Wars movie because George Lucas wanted to make a sci-fi film. D- director is George Lucas. It came out on May 25th, 1977, and the description gives it, Robots and other allies help a youth, Mark Hamill, and a space jockey, Harrison Ford, Rescue our rebel princess, Carrie Fisher, and Battle of the Darkness. Or the Dark Side. Because there's in this movie, there there's a thing, there's an overwhelming feature called the Force. Now, this, this Force can do a lot of things. It can pull things toward you. It can push things away. It can choke dudes out. And it can be the driving force of good and evil for the universe. And people trained in this, and sensing this and controlling this, are called, depending on the if Jedi. they're good or bad, Jedi or the Sith. Now, in this dystopia, well, I wouldn't say dystopia, in this future, the Actually, Empire, the yeah, in, in this past, the Empire, the almighty powerful dudes of the series, are controlled by a Sith Lord known as Darth Vader, and Anakin Skywalker, if it's the third episode. Now, Anakin Skywalker becomes Darth Vader, yada yada, that's for a different Star Wars movie, we're talking the fourth one specifically. Now, because of this, it, it's kind of bad for the rest of the galaxy. Like, they're, they're definitely struggling, and it starts off, Luke is on the planet Tatooine, right? Or not Luke, yeah. it's actually the start of Luke, Luke, what am I talking about? It started with C-3PO and R2-D2. It started, it started with, uh, with a 
the it was a rebel, yeah, rebel, re- rebel, yeah, rebel, rebel <laughs> cargo. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I'll cut this part out. It started with a rebel cargo that was carrying Princess Leia, and a plans were stashed in an R two droid or in like a recon droid. So because they were they were doing this, they were being driven all over the place, and then all of a sudden they get docked. And once that happened, the enemies kind of, which are stormtroopers, which are and the the, uh, the allegiance of the Empire, kind of wiped the rebels, which is the good guys in the movie, kind of wiped them easily. And Leia gets captured, but before that, an uh, escape pod comes from the free train, that free train, the the <laughs> ship. And it comes with a ship, and they get blasted to the planet of Tatooine. Now, in there, R2 and C3 are like, dang, this is, this is bad, man. We're going to die in the desert. It's warm and bad. And they kind of get, they kind of wander for a bit. After they wander and have some banter, they get shot by a sta- sand dudes with electric guns that were set to stun. They get stunned, and they get sold to a family of farmers. What do you have to say about this family of farmers, Justin? They are very, I guess they're very interesting people. They're like, what do they in a desert planet. It, yeah, it's kind of whack. It, we never really hear about it, but then again, after they die, we never really hear the farmer family either. Yes, Luke actually goes to venture out. To, he, he discovers a message in R2-D2 that is pretty much the princess's plea for help for an Obi-Wan Kenobi, a name that no one's ever heard in so long. Now, Luke thinks it's Ben Kenobi, this old hermit that lives out in the sand dunes of Tatooine. So... One night, R2-D2 just kind of straddling along, trying to find his master. And as um, since it was dark, Luke didn't want to go out at night because the sand people, the Tusken Raiders, as they usually are called. So in the morning, they set, they set out to find them. Now, he kind of almost dies because uh, the sand, sand the Tusken jumping. Raiders kind of take over. They start by the bash his skull in with one of the weapons, but he gets knocked out instead. This old guy in a in a um robe was like made a lot of strange noises in it, and so they scared away the Tuscan Raiders. Introduced that, well, hello there, I'm Ben Kenobi. He's like, like, oh, I, and then Luke's <laughs> like, it looks like, hey, do do you know Ben Kenobi? Even though you said you're Ben Kenobi, well, yes, of course I know him. He is me. And then I'm like. Gar- Jesus, crunch, crunch. Okay, go on, Justin. Oh, sorry. Cut that part out. Anyway, so... What happens is, as they return, as they find a remote location to be safe from the Tuscan Raiders, Obi-Wan kind of tells the story of Luke's father and his potential, and, you know, tells him about his old Jedi Knight days, before the Galactic Empire took over. And so, gives Luke Skywalker his father's sword, which was his father's lightsaber, which is just a blue lightsaber. Doesn't give a clear indication of his name, but all we know is that Lord Vader killed and betrayed his father. None other than voiced by James Earl Jones. And out of the course of the movie, the Empire has this huge thing called the Death Star. Now, they made this thing, and this is where Leia's also being held on, and it's a huge battle station. This is for the Empire, and it has the power to destroy whole entire planets. Now, this is run by Darth Vader and General Tolkien, which is one of the best generals in all the Star Wars franchise. However, he only gets to see the fourth movie before he perishes immediately. Now, 
okay, Princess Leia, where where's the where's the rebel base? Like, oh, the rebel base is on this Dattooine. Like, that's a lie. But so anyway, we're gonna kill your home planet. Decides to like straight up zero death her home planet. Like, just they obliterate it. They shoot it out of it's, space. It's blown the chunks. All yeah. of them, all of them is just rocks. And what, what did you know? R two D 2s main goal was to get that message to Alnar, or whatever the place that, whatever, whatever the planet that name was. So they they find this smuggler in Melo's eyes, which is a canteen out in the middle of Tatooine. And they go up there like, hey, yo, my my man's, I'll pay you well if you if you get us to this planet. It's like, alright, what's your price? And I I got I got some money, and I'm like, nah, I need more. Like, I then Ben goes like, alright, here's more. Before that, Luke kind of gets into a fight, and Ben kind of cuts the dude in two. And, like, that happens, and Han ha- talks to this other dude that's like a... His name like is Greedo. Fat... Yeah. Greedo. Greedo. Well, it's a bait if they shot first, or who shot first. Most people think it's Han. Most people think, Some people think it's Han. Some people think it's Greedo. Technically. In the original Star Wars, when it first came out in theaters, only Han shot. There's no Greedo. That part was added later into the special editions as special effects, just to indicate that he actually did shoot. But really, Han was first to shoot, and he's the only one to shoot. In the original the movie. Old, in the original, but in the remastered, Greedo shoots first. Well, Greedo it's debatable. It's, it's debatable. I happen to think no, that Han shot first. It, it's, it's obvious that Greedo shot first for the remastered. The OG version, Han shoots first. The remastered, Greedo shoots first. But fun fact, they remade it again in the Disney Plus version. In the Disney Plus version, apparently frame by frame, it, it matches frame by frame that both shot at the exact same time. Beautiful. Now, no one ever know who shot first. No but one really knows who shot first. It does not matter first. who shoots first. But really so matters they, is... they hop in the whip, which is the, which is the, uh, the Falcon. I forget what, what's the actual name of the ship. The Millennium Falcon. The Millennium Falcon. They hop in the whip. And like, all right, we're about to go cruising. They get cruise to this place. Like, oh wait, what's this planet, chunks? Huh? It seems that the planet got annihilated. I wonder what station did that. Oh, is that a moon in the distance? No, that's a Death Star, bro. They get tracked in and they got drawn into the Death Star. And during this, hijinks ensues. Like, okay, we're in the middle of an Empire, the Empire base, we, where our ship is being discovered. We're gonna be like. Merked, so they hide in in covers that were used for smuggling originally, and they smuggle themselves into the Death Star. Now during this, they they try to release the shield, the ship's tractor beam, and oh, like Ben Kenobi's like, I I feel something. I will get this. I'll get the reactor that needs to be shut down so I can uh, so we can get out of here. Done, but I must do it alone because I'm sensing a strong disturbance in the force. So he goes out alone, and eventually he'll complete his mission. But that's that's not important. During this, Luke and Han and R2 and C3 are all just sitting there. Just you want to describe what happens? Okay, so at first, they get they get tractored into the, the to the Death Star. I we got that, and so they eventually find a command like a command a central command station or just a command station in general where it tells you the basic plans and just kind of oversees everything. R2 D2 and C3PO try to find where Princess Leia is while um, Han, Luke, and Chewie, they're, just, they're trying to be in this disguise as if, like two stormtroopers kind of having a Wookiee prisoner. They eventually find where Princess Leia is detained at, so they go st- to that hallway. 
that goes to that uh, block. AA232, something like that. Um, so as they get up there, they kind of they start, start talking with one of the Imperial officials, trying to see if they can talk their way through. But then it didn't work out. So then they start blasting. Mm. They eventually find where the princess is. The prince is like, aren't you a little short for a student trooper? They introduce, introduce themselves, and then they, and then the whole entire Imperial Legion sh- starts showing up and shooting them down. To where, to where they, 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 the only escape plan is to jump down a garbage chute, which they almost get crushed in, and in fact that Luke almost drowns during that escapade. Now, C-3PO and R2-D2, they're in low heat as well, as stormtroopers were storming in, trying to find where they are. Thrifio does some talk and saying, oh, they're in the prison decks. Oh, no. Go help them. Next thing you know, they eventually get their comms working. They eventually are uh, safe. And so they're going to try to, and they, they, um, they cancel the me- mechanism of the door of the garbage chute closing in. And they finally pop off. So after that, they open the door to get out the trash chute. Now, they decide to stuff around because after everything, the other, the ship should be released by now. Because Ben Kenobi, they, they're all deciding that they're going to meet back up. They get chased down by multiple stormtroopers, having to get, having multiple angles and multiple things where they cut corners and they have to do it like extremely, like just they, they they have to try hard to get escape. Eventually, they escape and like okay, we all met up back up here and they hear clanging in the distance. No stormtroopers in sight, but Ben Kenobi's not there now. While all this is happening, Ben Kenobi tries to sneak back to the ship. Is met with Darth Vader himself, the Sith Lord, also the right hand of the Empire. Er, the Emperor is like, okay, man, I got a sword. When I met you, you like you helped me, but now I'm gonna strike you down. Like, nah, fam. And then they have like a battle. They have a sword, a lightsaber duel, and he remembers just like he's trying, and then eventually he starts to give up. Looks at Luke, feels like he he's gonna succeed for him, and lets himself be cut down. When he gets cut down. The body's not there, but he just disappears in the smoke. And Luke sees this, and then they retreat eventually. Let's also not forget to mention that Darth Vader used to be Obi-Wan's apprentice. And so something happened after the Clone Wars to where Darth Vader betrays um, Obi-Wan, and now the circle is complete. When he left Obi-Wan, he was a learner, but now he is the master. And so they, they duel... Like we just said, Obi-Wan just vanishes out of thin air. They eventually, the, the, Re- the rebel group eventually escapes that star unscathed. I have a tracking beacon on them. They go to the planet of Yemen. For... Yemen 4. No, was it, was it Yemen? Yeah. Ye- Yemen 4. They go to the moon of Yemen 4. And so they, you know, decipher the plans of the Death Star. And pretty much they just start, they start their raid on the Death Star. I think it's now, Yemen, not Yemen, but something like that. It's Yemen 4, I think, is the per- current Yeah, I, th- I, think, I think it's Yemen. Anyway, this, this, this moon does that matter. It doesn't exist in our solar system. But what does happen is they start going on the raid for the Shona Death Star. Now, they have two, they have two squads, the gold, gold Squad and Red Squad. Luke is Red 5. And they're just trying to get into the... It was one of the trenches where they have a exhaust port that goes straight to the main reactor. Torpon, um, torpon torpedoes can only destroy these. They can actually penetrate through the shield. 
And so it has they have to, to find a, a perfect direct, angle. Yes, it has to be a direct Shoot. hit that drops straight through the hole and directly into the reactor, and from that it will cause a change reaction, blowing up the entire Death Star. Now, see, there's been a lot of damage inside. Well, it's not, I can't say a lot, because it's only just surface level damage. But Darth Vader and two, two of the TIE Fighters, um, I guess, pilots, they start just, start, te- te- yeah. just shooting every single They start tearing um, up every squadron that comes close to them. And keep in mind, every single squadron relied heavily on their aiming. They didn't use maneuvers <laughs> or like something with that. They relied heavily on their charging gear and did not care about the rest of the squad that was behind them protecting them. Eventually, they perished. And uh, Luke and his remaining two people have to go down to themselves. Now, during this entire thing, Luke has like these flashbacks, like or flashbacks, or, like force things, or like he's like, "Yo, my my dude, use the force." He hears and Luke's, vis- like, he's hearing like voices, and he's that's telling him to like not rely on this and use his instincts. So he starts to use that after his two friends get shot down, and he uses his instincts, and lo and behold. He levels the entire Death Star. But it before that happens, you. he's about to get shot by Darth Vader, and out of nowhere, the Millennium Falcon. Vader is kind of just going away somewhere because he got knocked out. The Death Star then blows up, and now just all you hear is trumpet music, and Han, yeah. Luke, and Chewie, they all get medals by Princess Leia. Just ends that movie. And you know the funny thing, yeah, or does it? In before the trilogy, and they're making a new one comes out this Thursday. Be sure to check that out. Episode nine. Realize that before they went to the Death Star, they had a group of twenty well-trained pilots that were trained highly and highly recommended throughout the entire galaxy, and a farmer boy and a dirty smuggler outpiloted. Literally twenty well well trained pilots. Okay, Han because Han, Han came power. out of nowhere and just shot them. They weren't expecting that. Yeah, but Luke has the force. Luke has Luke has magical space powers. Ooh, that makes him spooky. And then he just like magically levels a Death Star. So I would give this movie if I were to rate it, I'd give it an eight. I'd give it an eight. Got, I'd it, say. It was very slow at first, if you're new, if you're new to the to the community. But it's actually it, it is a good movie. It is a, it does turn out to be a great movie. And a good start. As I'm well. uh, I, I feel bad for my opinion, but I'm gonna go with what I said. I'm giving this. I want to give it. it a nine. I want to give it a nine, but at the same time, I know it for people that are new into it, it has like a, a learning curve. So for that reason, I'm giving it either in between an eight or a nine. Like, either it's going to be a high 8 or a low 9. It, it was shot well. The story is like a classic. You, 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 know, the, you know the 9 yards and etc. But it's still, it still holds true to this day. I still think that the best Star Wars movie that... Well, we haven't seen 9 yet, so I can't say the best yet. But I think that the best movie was obviously Revenge of the Sith. With the Absolutely. tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise. Did you ever hear the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise? I thought not. It's not a story the Jedi would tell you. It's a Sith legend. Darth Plagueis was a dark lord of the Sith. So powerful. So wise. He used the Force to so influence wise. the midichlorians to create 
like life. he had such a knowledge of the dark side that he could Wise even boy. keep the ones he cared about from dying. The dark hmm. side of the forest, the pathway to me. Oh no, I forgot. He actually does say it's possible to learn his power, not from a Jedi. The dark side of the forest is a pathway to many abilities, some considered to be unnatural. He became so powerful, the only oh. thing he was afraid of was losing his power. That man's. Which eventually, of course, he did. Unfortunately, he told his apprentice everything he knew, and then his apprentice killed him in his sleep. It's ironic. He could save others from death, but not himself. By Shiva and with that, it ends Smurfs Fail Filmcast. We hope to see you next time with our this time be on, on schedule and not this wacky special. Um, not these wacky specials because we're, we've been really lazy and both of us couldn't really meet up because we have stuff we have actual lives outside the podcast. That's a weird thing, isn't it? Yeah, we, have, we actually have lives, people, okay? Deal with it! Do we? That? We, yeah, we do. We will be back with another episode, a, ho- a special holiday episode, playing we're our favorite do... game called Cthulhu. It's not a favorite game. We're going to do Christmas with Cthulhu. It's going to be a thing where I take Justin on a ride around. What, what do you say? You want to do New York? Uh, I think I'm going to have it. I was a mobster who's we had talking. I was from Italy. It's like, hey, boss, we're taking Justin to Harlem, where, where wacky hijinks and cold stuff will ensue. Make sure to join us sometime over the Christmas break, and then we'll get back to our normal drama cast and our normal Christmas stuff. Or not Christmas stuff, our normal uh, film stuff. Normal I mean, film and, and also just our stupid episodes where we talk about drama. Talk about whatever. We're, we're the Smash Bro people. We're the best Smash Bro players in the world. In the school, no one can top us, not even the people that play better than us and beat us in games. We're the best in the school, best snake in A, best puff in A. No one can touch us. Untouchable. Best duos, you know, if we go against MK Leo and, like, some other person, body them. Garbage, bro. Straight I garbage. Th- I think we got to stop talking about Smash Bros. Right. I this. think it's time to wrap up. Our favorite fan, Miss Kanicki. All right, shout out to Miss Kanicki. I think it's time to end it here, boys.